Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. podcast with me Carly. Hope you are all well witches. On today's episode we are revisiting the poison garden with a look at the mandrake and the datura. These are two of my favourite poisonous plants and their lore is unreal, pure magic. Our book review today is The Once and Future Witches written by Alex E. Harrow. I have no idea why, but I put off reading this book for a long time. People kept recommending it to me, but I had some resistance to reading it, which is exactly what happened to me with my favourite witchy book, The Secret History of Witches. That book sat on a shelf for months and months before I picked it up to read. Same situation here, but I should have known that could have only meant it would be up there in being as amazing as The Secret History of Witches. This book sits alongside that book, and trust me, witches, the hype this book gets is truly deserved. It is a masterpiece. I realise that this is the first book I have read in around 20 years that has made me laugh out loud with no control, but also not be able to hold back the tears too. And it takes a lot for me to be moved by a book in that respect. So this book definitely holds some power. I found the character in the book that I love most above all others. She truly captured my heart, introduced Juniper, a feral, boisterous, in some respects naive but truly courageous and sometimes downright risky witch who had such a passion for life and all that she believed in. I truly fell in love with her and wanted to be more Juniper. Talking of love, there's plenty of it within this book, either between the three sisters, Juniper, Bella and Agnes, but also with the romantic interests of two of the characters. I managed to fall in love with a male witch called August Lee, who did something truly funny to me each time he showed up in the story. This book tackles a variety of issues from racism to sexism to homophobia, fascism overall, basically issues that would have been rife in 1893 and of course today in many respects, yet there is also a sprinkling of major magic on top. When I say tackled, I won't say it's done on an incredibly deep level, but it's there and much is brought to your attention. I'll read you the blurb so you can get a feel for the outline of the story. In 1893, there's no such thing as witches. They used to be in the wild, dark days before the burnings began. But now witching is nothing but tidy charms and nursery rhymes. If the modern woman wants any measure of power, she must find it at the ballot box. 
for when the Eastwood sisters, James Juniper, Agnes Amaranth and Beatrice Belladonna join the suffragists of New Salem, they begin to pursue the forgotten words and ways that might turn the women's movement into the witches' movement. Stalked by shadows and sickness, hunted by forces who will not suffer a witch to vote, and perhaps not even to live, the sisters will need to delve into the oldest magics, draw new alliances and heal the bond between them if they want to survive. One thing the author can do is bring a character to life. I knew more of the supporting characters in this book than I did of some of the main protagonists in other books I have read recently. I realised how Alex E. Harrow has a knack to bring a town to life and all its characters too. There are several layers to this story, many different locations, but it's done in a way that you can keep up and not be confused. Her writing is absolutely beautiful. You are literally in the story. I could practically smell the herb shop that they frequent, the fires that burn. I could see the fog that is upon the town and I could practically feel the sensation the author describes of witching on the air. I will read you the opening statement to this book so you can get a feel for her writing style and how magical it feels. An introduction. There's no such thing as witches, but there used to be. It used to be the air was so thick with magic, you could taste it on your tongue like ash. Witches lurked in every tangled wood and waited at every midnight crossroad with sharp-toothed smiles. They conversed with dragons on lonely mountaintops and rode rowanwood brooms across full moons. They charmed the stars to dance beside them on the solstice and rode to battle with familiars at their heels. It used to be witches were wild as crows and fearless as foxes, because magic blazed bright and the night was theirs. But then came the plague and the purges. The dragons were slain, and the witches were burned, and the night belonged to men with torches and crosses. I devoured this book, I couldn't put it down, and I hope you can't too. Join me after the break where we talk all about bewitching poisonous plants. Welcome back. So let's talk all about bewitching poisonous plants. Few herbs are as steeped in magical lore than the mandrake. The mandrake has the appearance of a tiny man, hence the name mandrake. In medieval herbals, the mandrake was drawn with a head, the roots as the body with the legs crossed. When pulled from the ground, it was said the mandrake would give a startling shriek. In folklore, it was said that this shriek could cause immediate sickness or kill anyone who listened to it unless they took specific protective measures. Law states that in order to harvest the plant, it would be marked during daylight and offerings were placed. This needed to be replicated as the negotiation process could last more than a day. Communication with the spirit of the plant was also made to ensure that it would come out willingly. 
However, if there was no agreement between the parties, another method was employed, which became very popular and can be found in many grimoires with different variations. A circle of salt would be made around the plant. In some cases, three circles were advised during a full or dark moon, depending on how it was intended to be used to minimise the impact of unearthing and a black dog was bound with rope to the plant. The witch would lure the dog with food in order to unearth the root. When this was done, the scream of the mandrake was said to kill the dog, leaving the root exposed. The witch would then cover it in cloth and place it in a special bag made for this purpose. Actual references to the bag are not available, but it was made in a ritualistic manner. In some cases, the unearthing process is described as a very delicate matter. This was due to the belief that any damage caused to the root while unearthing would be replicated to the person or animal who dug it out without permission. They would go on to sell this magical plant at a high price. The mandrake in Germany is called the Alrhorn. It has been accounted as being kept as a family's familiar and kept in a fancy wooden box. It would be passed down through the generations and treated as a family amulet. It would be treated with great respect, wrapped in silk and protected in a box. It would be taken out and carefully bathed in wine or brandy four times a year. The brandy or wine used to wash it would then be sprinkled around the house as a protective ward. The purchase and use of the Alrhorn in this way is still carried out to this day in Germany. Overall, the mandrake is associated with love magic and more intense magical practices. It can intensify the magic of any situation. As a visionary herb, it holds much power, empowering visions to bring the impetus to visions through to manifestation. It's said that to carry a mandrake root or berries upon your person will bring love and even increase fertility. To keep a mandrake in your home offers up protection and prosperity, specifically if placed on a mantelpiece. It's also said to prevent demons from entering your household. Placed on top of money is said to make your money multiply. And of course, due to its human shape, it's perfect to use as a poppet in sympathetic magic. It can also be placed underneath your pillow to assist with dream magic. So in order to activate a mandrake root for magical uses, it's said that you should leave it upon your altar for three days then place it in warm water overnight and then it will be activated and ready for magic. Commoners and royalty alike had called for the mandrake. Although grown in the Mediterranean area, it soon began to be distributed through North, East and West Europe. Mandrake was a key component of the witch's flying ointment along with other toxic herbs according to grimoires of that time and applied externally to the skin could cause the witch to feel like she was flying. It acted as a hallucinogen and aphrodisiac. During medieval times, the mandrake root was expensive and highly sought after. It was seen as an anthropomorphic vegetable, 
a plant that held human-like qualities and it was often treated as a familiar spirit to do a witch's magical bidding. During the witch trials, witches were often accused of possessing a mandrake root and keeping it as a familiar spirit. Adding to this plant's mystique, its leaves were said to glow at night. However, this was as the result of a later discovery made that the glowworm was attracted to its leaves, causing them to shine by night. Witches acknowledged and used two main forms of the mandragora based on the shape of the root. The first one is that of a long solid root, which due to its phallic form was used mainly as an ingredient in spells and magic that had to do with fertility, sex, love, virility, and good luck. This was also used for money spells. This root would be cut into pieces and preserved to be used as a magical catalyst in all magical works. The second form of the root, which is the most popular yet rare, was growing different branches resembling a human body with two arms and two legs stretching and the main body of the root was forming a head. The gender was determined after visual inspection of the root or if the witch was not certain, she or he would cast a spell to contact the spirit of the plant and clarify the plant's intentions and gender. The mandragora would reveal how it would prefer to be used. This form of the root was never cut but used as whole. So the witch made an alliance with the plant and used the mandragora spirit in his or her work. Or after agreement, the root could act as a vessel for other spirits or familiars to live and feed from. The root was cleansed and fed as if it was actually a living person. Traditionally, the root would be placed in a plate and fed with milk or wine on specific dates. Some witches did that every Friday. Can you imagine? Oh, it's a Friday. I've got to milk my... <laughs> you haven't got to milk your mandrake, but you've got to feed it with milk. Oh, dear. Others claim that it was either done in the full moon or dark moon based on the works that I have had access to. <laughs> Again, the mandragora would reveal how and when it wanted to be fed. It was claimed that the mandragora root would ease the pains of labour and ensure a successful labour if it was placed underneath the labouring bed in a plate filled with milk, which was also mixed with milk from a breastfeeding woman. The other variation is that the milk used for bathing the mandragora could be consumed by a pregnant woman to ease the labour. Finally, the mandragora root was used in two very important ways, which they were called the sacrifice, and you will soon understand why. The witch could transfer a life-threatening disease from the afflicted person into the mandrake root, and then destroyed the root, saving the patient. The other way was used in banishing demons or spirits in severe cases of possession by caging the demon or the spirit from the person in the root. Again, the root was also destroyed in a ritual to send the unwanted back where they belong. There are different myths associated with the location of the second form of the mandragora. It is said that the plant would grow under the gallows where men were hung. 
the semen that was produced during ejaculation as a natural body response at the time of the hanging, can you imagine, fed the earth and the mandragora would be born. Another variation says that the bodily fluids had to come from a person born in a family of thieves. In some scripts, the mandragora is born from the semen of innocent men or men that never had sex that were hanged, given a second opportunity to live as a mandrake. A witch witnessing injustice would recite incantations for the man's soul. Other scripts state that the mandragora would grow where the tears and the blood of the innocent fall on the ground. And the myth has some scientific claims. Suffocation and subsequent increase in the amount of carbon dioxide in the body can result in ejaculation as the body receives this imbalance as a sign of orgasm. I mean, who knew? Witches who believed that the root was associated with the souls of the men who were unjustly killed would gather and make offerings to the plant and the soul of the departed. This assisted in the negotiations with the spirit of the plant in order to willingly be their ally. So from the Selenikai family, which holds a number of poisonous plants, including Atropa, Belladonna and Datura, these three poisons are rife in folklore as being used by witches. So the Selenikai family of poisonous herbs are composed of alkaloids, including atropine, scopolamine and hyoscyamine, chemical constituents that have various effects on the human nervous symptoms, including psychoactive effects, delirium and madness. These constituents are extracted to this day and used within the pharmaceutical industry. And of course, mandrake is a poisonous herb that was infused into witches' flying ointments. The plant grows in countries near the Mediterranean Sea. It's a perennial with a long stem and short trunk. The leaves resemble a cabbage or edible green, but are not edible. The flowers range in colour from white to purple and are similar to belladonna blooms. The berries are yellow to reddish and look similar to tomatoes. The roots can grow up to two feet long. Of course, this plant is seriously poisonous and if ingested, seek medical attention immediately. Mandragora can be used as a magical catalyst in all magical works to empower the spell or the ritual. For example, you might opt to use the extracts when consecrating your ritual objects for extra power. In addition, a small mixture of the extract with the powder could be used to perhaps dress candles for ritual work. The extract and powder can be added on amulets and to spells for extra power. Let your imagination guide you. So to make the extracts and powder of mandragora, for the extract, you will need a jar, alcohol, and a mandrake root. So the root needs to be chopped, and it's advised to grind or trim some parts of the root. Then you add it to the vase and fill that with alcohol, and it needs to stay in the vase for at least two months or ideally for three full moons. So if you can shake the jar every night, you might want to ask the blessings of the root for your magical work. So you could use a simple phrase such as, O sacred root, I call upon thee, 
lend me your magical power to bless and empower my work. Something like that is sufficient. Or of course, create words that you prefer and then use the extracts in your magical work. If you can grind a part of the mandrake root, it can be left on a cloth in a dry place to dry out. And you can use the powder in your magical work as well. I've seen it recommended to use part as an extract and part as the powder. So for visions, a small amount of the powder, less than a pinch, and two drops of the extract could be added to a charcoal disc and burnt, and that should be enough to induce visions. But of course, please remember not to overdo it with mandragora, and it's recommended to mix it with anise seed and wormwood and use the mixture in an open space. If you do decide to use it at home, of course, make sure the room is aired effectively. So for prosperity, a few drops of the extracts can be sprinkled on your paper money bills and you can add the dust. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Trusting your wallet to attract money your way. For personal protection, you might want to mix eggshell powder with a few drops of mandragora extract. Take a white candle, roll it on the mixture, and with the rest, create a circle around the candle. Light the candle and use an incantation for protection. So the mandrake, its Latin name is Mandragora officinarum. It's linked to the planet Mercury, but I also saw Jupiter referenced too. Deities it's linked to are Circe, Hecate, Diana, Hathor, and Saturn. Its element is fire. It's masculine energy and it's linked to the zodiac sign Virgo. But overall, great to use in spell work for protection, fertility, love, prosperity, money, health, good luck, sex, virility, and overall to add a lot of power to your spell work. So our second plant is 
The Datura. So the Datura goes by many names. Its Latin name is Datura stramonium, also known as Jimson weed, Devil's snare, Thorn apple, Evil's apple, Ghost flower, Love will, Mad apple, Mad herb, Manicom, Stinkweed, Sorcerer's herb, Thorn apple, Toloac. Witch's Thimble, Yerba del Diablo, which is Spanish for Herb of the Devil, Devil's Trumpets, Moonflower, Zombie, Prickly Burr, Devil's Cucumber, Mad Seeds, Loco Weed, Hell's Bells. But overall, there are nine species of the Datura genus, and the folk names are applicable to different types of this genus. Angel's trumpet is the Brugmansia variety. This has a downward pointing flower as if they were being played from the heavens, while Devil's trumpet points up from below, playing her nefarious siren song to those with the ears to hear. So it said that the Datura's secret meaning is deceitful charms. Its element is water. It's got a feminine energy and it's linked to the moon, Venus and Saturn. Its zodiac sign is Capricorn and it's linked to the deities Hecate, Hestia and Baba Yaga. So this is great for spell work relating to hex breaking, sleep, protection, divination, astral travel, enchantment, personal power, the wolf spirit, disguise, transformation, visions, curses, love spells, bindings, psychic enhancement through vision and spirit voices, spells of manipulation, hypnosis and submission, dream magic, both sending and receiving, creating enchanting illusions and terrible nightmares, which offer a number of creative and manipulative purposes. Also manipulative and forceful love spells, inspiring lust and desire. Nocturnal allies like the owl, moth and insects is also good for honouring the spirits of the night and the moon, connecting with the darker aspects of the witch queen and the fairy realm, especially those fae most active at night. That's a lot of uses. So Datura has been used necromantically in order to see ghosts and can be included in concoctions for that purpose. It's also linked in folklore to shape-shifting and can form part of the therianthropic ointments. So as a love potion, Datura is intoxicating and deadly and can evoke the seductive powers of the siren. So, of course, please do not add that to any potions that you are going to drink at all. The plants that have earned a place in the witch's garden, the eternal garden of Hecate, have done so due to their effective uses, of course, in sorcery. They are the witches and magicians of the plant world and have proven their usefulness to those who walk the crooked way of magical herbalism. They are able to heal and harm, to give power and to take it away and have willingly placed themselves in the path of the cunning ones to act as guides. This plant, like her sisters, is intimately associated with magic and witchcraft 
and of course the dark goddesses who were the first to journey to the depths of the earth and return with arcane knowledge or those who chose to stay making the underworld their kingdoms. Datura can be given as an offering to Hecate, Baba Yaga and other spirits and beings who are associated with poison and bane. It is a plant which acts as a psychopomp and can therefore be a gateway between this realm and the afterlife. So it can be used to propitiate underworld spirits as well as to travel to the underworld. Considered by some as the dark fairy herb of the nocturnal witch's garden, it has been used throughout the course of time in shamanic practices to induce visions, assist prophecy and assist spiritual union with the divine, but also to help with ecstatic dancing. Datura use has been linked to European folklore on werewolves. Scholars attribute the riding of medieval witches on broomsticks to Datura use in the witches' salve or brew. One account from the United States is reported from 1676 in Jamestown, Virginia, where a British troop were detached to quiet a riot. While on their way to this situation, the soldiers happened to snack on some of the Datura plant. Those that did so entered running through the town, crazed and had to be tended to for about 12 days. We should note that after this account, one of the familiar names given this plant was Jamestown weed, later changed or shortened to Jimson weed. Part of the nightshade family, so the Selenakai or the potato family, which also includes deadly nightshade, henbane, tobacco and the mandrake and forms part of what are known as cursing herbs. Datura loves to grow in wild and forgotten places almost everywhere in the world except the Arctic. This plant holds the energy of an exotic sorceress, a wild queen of the other world, and many mystical persons cannot help but be enchanted by her. Datura is Belladonna's seductive sister, whose sweet-smelling and delicate flowers hypnotise and seduce those who are pulled close by her beauty. A closer look reveals her fawn-covered fruit hidden beneath dark green leaves and gossamer blooms. Once pulled in by her seductive wiles, it is often too late and her claws have dug deep into the unassuming psyche, lulling her victims into a state of complacency whilst their sense of reality unravels around them, all the while wiping away any memory of her having been there in the first place. She whisks mortals off to the other world, showing them both wonder and horror, returning them hopefully dazed and confused. She's not always so kind and like the other tropane containing plants of the nightshade family, which act on the delicate tissues of the heart, she can easily kill and cause madness. The plants of the Selenakai family have been used as hallucinogenics in both hemispheres of the planet. A Datura drug is generally made by dropping the pulverized seeds into a fermented drink or by steeping the leaves and twigs in water. Not me giving you a heads up on how to make it, just that's how it's done. The whole plant is poisonous, but the seeds are the most active. Neither drying nor boiling destroys the poisonous properties. 
The usual consequences of the poison when taken in sufficient quantity are dimness of sight, dilation of the pupils, giddiness and delirium, sometimes amounting to mania, but its action varies greatly on different persons. Many fatal instances of its dangerous effects are recorded. It is thought to act more powerfully on the brain than belladonna and to produce greater delirium. The effects of ingesting datura are characterized by initial effects that are often so violent that physical restraint must be imposed. Thereafter, hallucinations and drowsiness can be expected. Natural philosophers like Giambattista della Porta declared that datura will make one mad and present strange visions, both pleasant and horrible. Recreational consumption has also led to fatal tragedies. For example, in the USA in 1994, two boys aged 16 and 17 died after consuming a drink brewed from the roots of Datura. The active hallucinogenic constituents of Datura are the tropane alkaloids, especially hyoscyamine, scopolamine and atropine, which are concentrated in the seeds. These alkaloids have a stimulating effect on the central nervous system, e.g. increasing heart rate, while simultaneously depressing the peripheral nerves, so creating dehydration of mucous membranes, producing a period of agitation and visions, often followed by prolonged sleep. Overdose is fatal, so shamans who engage with the plant have sophisticated recipes for managing dosage. Datura has been used medicinally in many cultures for madness and melancholy. Stramonium has also been used as an analgesic, an ingredient in cough syrup, and to treat asthma and respiratory disorders. Scopolamine, one of the alkaloids present within Datura, has been used to treat spasms and Parkinson's disease. Datura is also known to have been used as an anaesthetic during childbirth and surgery since ancient times. A poultice made from the crushed seeds and roots and applied to the joints is also thought to relieve the pain of arthritis and rheumatism. Datura has been combined with many other drugs, but there are three main combinations that are repeatedly used by those who are experienced enough. These are the flying ointments, ayahuasca brews, and cannabis smoking blends. The flying ointment originates from European medieval witches who supposedly made the ointment so that they were able to fly. The ointment contains various other plants such as henbane, hemlock, wolfsbane, and species of the nightshade family. Traditionally, these would all be mixed together in animal fats before being applied to parts of the body that are able to absorb the alkaloids efficiently, as you discussed many times before. Most common places to apply the ointment are the soles of the feet, armpits, and of course, the vagina. Datura, known by shamans as toe, may be added to ayahuasca brews, but in very small amounts. The shamanic people who use the ayahuasca for religious purposes know of the detura's deliriant and toxic properties and so apparently add only two to three leaves of detura to a brew for around 30 people. 
wow, that's like not much. So if you would like to use the Chura in your craft, obviously we're not going to be drinking it. But I came across another website that went into Datura. Again, I'll put this all in the show notes. So you could use Datura firstly for concealment and invisibility. If you'd like to conceal or obscure your thoughts, motives or actions for any reason, or if you'd like to render yourself as close to invisible as possible, consider performing a Datura ritual such as this one. Charge a dried or fresh natural blossom with your intention. Wrap it in clean white cotton cloth along with an iron pyrite. Tie it closed with black ribbon or string and carry it with you for the duration of the situation. So for discernment, in a situation where you need to discern other people's true motives, Place a datura leaf and blossom into a small charm bag along with a hematite. Hold the bag in both hands and charge it with your intention. Keep it in your pocket or elsewhere on your person throughout the duration of the situation. For divination, it is said that the Incas, as well as the Delphic Oracle in Greece, incorporated datura into ritual work surrounding their prophecies. Similarly, you might employ her to aid your divination work, perhaps for tarot or crystal gazing and so on. For example, before you begin, you might place a very tiny pinch of dried datura leaves and blossoms into a bit of water in like a oil burner and light it. Or to preserve the clarity of your readings and increase the potency of your deck, you might want to sew a drawstring bag. And as you do so, you can sew a dried and pressed datura leaf into the lining and use it to store your tarot cards. So for enchantment and magic involving utterly enchanting another person or group of people, this can be greatly aided by the use of datura. This is especially true when you'd like the enchantment to be combined with a level of deep respect and awe. For example, before maybe a presentation or performance of some kind, maybe a job interview or a date. So one way to do this would be to visit a blossoming datura in the wild. And there are a ton around. I've got one on my road that I walk past whenever I'm going like off to the post box. This is a bit out there, but I like this concept. So you could sit near the plant and have a conversation with its spirit. Begin by relaxing and tuning into the datura. And when you feel ready, silently express the situation you'd like help with via images and feelings. Then respectfully ask the blossom if she'd share her powers of enchantment and intoxication with you. If she agrees, relax even more deeply and allow her to infuse you with her energy of bewitchment, charm, cool confidence and calm. And when this feels complete, you might want to do something nice for the plant in thanks. So some other uses for Datura are to break spells by sprinkling it around the home. I also found sources that suggest a cure for insomnia by placing datura leaves into a shoe and setting the shoe underneath the bed with the toes pointing towards the nearest wall. That is so random. I'm sure that will clear up all your insomniac 
needs. You might also want to work with the dried leaves to remove negative energies and to banish fear. There wasn't much instruction given on how to do that. But again, you could incorporate that into spell work. And of course, create your own incantations, a way of performing the spell or the ritual. You might want to invoke the spirit of the plant to guide you in the dream world. So some of the sources for today's episode are from TessWhitehurst.com, The Purple Broom, Occult World, Poisoner's Apothecary, Secret Flower Language and DrugsForum.com. But I will, of course, put those in the show notes. That's all I have for you today, witches. And I just want to, before I go, say a huge congratulations to my brother, Al, who helps produce the podcast. So he puts it all together. He makes the magic happen. And his beautiful wife, because I've just got back from their wedding and I... I'm fortunate enough that I went to church, I didn't get smited, I didn't cause the holy water to boil, I'm only joking, it was a beautiful ceremony, a great day, I struggled singing Amazing Grace because I'm so familiar now with the Destiny's Child version, I wasn't ready for the church remix, so I was very confused because me and my daughter, you know, one of us will do Beyonce's bit, the other will do Michelle's bit. I just wasn't sure, you know, the church remix is somewhat lacking. So yeah, it was a bit of a struggle, but we got there in the end. But life is kind of calming down now because all the major events of this year have um, been pushed to the wayside. But yeah, it's been an interesting year so far. So I just want to say congratulations to them and all the best for the future. So I'll be back soon, which is if you like my content, you can find more on my Patreon called the White Witch Coven. It's six pounds a month. And for that, you will get a meditation, a story. We have hedge witch studies. We have our get togethers. So there is a Liffa get together tomorrow night. We're all going to be exchanging different spells, different things we do within our practice. But to be honest, it's just a chance for us witches to all get together. And what else do we have? So we have a podcast. Oh my goodness, there's so much extra content on there. More importantly, the witchy community. What a lovely bunch of witches. Patreons, well, all of you, like I'm so grateful for you listening to the show, but I'm so grateful to the Patreons because they keep me going. So thank you. You can also find me on the Hedge Witches Almanac. We have just released a Liffa episode. I will put that in the show notes too. If you could leave me a review, I'd be so grateful. It means more witches can find the show. But aside from that, it's actually the day before Liffa. So have an amazing Liffa, whatever you do. Sending you so much witchy love.